Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey, Spooksters, and welcome back to Stabby Snippets here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely gal pal, Jessica. Hey! And today, I have a clusterfuck of a case. I'm going to be discussing the Alaska Highway or the Canadian Highway murders that took place just last month. Actually, almost on the dot, because today when we're recording this, it is August 12th, and this hit the news July 13th. Oh, damn. Yeah, so right on the money. So I'm going to go ahead and just dive in. I set this up like a timeline like I did with my Thunderbird Falls case that I did, how I just broke it down day by day as it hit the news. There was so much info, so that was kind of just the easiest way for me to do it. So yeah, here we go, guys. So July 13th. So our first two victims are China Deese and Lucas Fowler. So China and Lucas are a couple, and they had essentially been on a road trip. They had stopped at a gas station in Fort Nelson, and they were like, nothing was wrong. They were like, totally good. They were just acting like any young couple, like all lovey-dovey and everything. Um, They were in a 1986 Chevy van, and they were filling up on gas. It was a moment they were like all over each other, you know, young and in love, like hugging and all that, you know, all that stuff. Just like basic trip, nothing weird, nothing like that. So to kind of lay it out with their relationship, according to Inside Edition, China's family accepted him. He was very welcomed into their family, into their home. He was actually from Australia and she was from North Carolina. Now it's kind of like, well, how the fuck do they meet kind of thing? They both were travelers. They're very avid travelers. They had met while on a mutual trip and then they had a long distance relationship. And earlier that year, he had actually spent three months with them over in the States and celebrated Christmas and Thanksgiving with them. China had actually planned to visit and travel to Australia to meet his family. But this summer, that really wasn't in the works. So 
she had went to Canada with him because he was actually going to begin a job at like a ranch or something like that. So this was kind of like, I'm assuming, an in-between time or something like that. So they had some time to spend together before he had to get to work kind of thing, you know, an opportunity. So they were going to take it. And sadly, that got cut short because this was the beginning of the road trip and it did not get to happen. So the following day, Sunday, July 14th, China and Lucas experienced car trouble that left them stranded alongside the road only, you know, like I said, first day into their road trip. According to a witness, Sandra Broughton, her and her husband were traveling on Highway 97 when they spotted the couple with their van around 3.30 p.m. So they pulled over to make sure everything was okay. They saw that they were just sitting there in like some camper chairs. They had decided to eat some lunch, that kind of thing. And they pulled over and they're like, hey, are you guys okay? Do you need some help? And Lucas was like, no, we're good. The engine was flooded, but they were just going to wait it out. So Sandra had said, you know, they didn't seem in distress. They seemed all right. So we just said, okay, and we had moved on. On Monday, July 15th, Uh, Lucas and China's body were found in a ditch not far from their van, and a witness told CTV that the windows had also been blown out. Police in Lucas's hometown echoed the witness's assessment of the scene, which was also that it was very gruesome, and they kind of kept details besides that to themselves. The assistant commissioner, Mark Jones, with the New South Wales Police Force was actually where Lucas's father is a police officer, said that the couple was killed under, quote, again, what can only be described as horrific circumstances. So I don't know if we've talked about it on here, but I know like in real life, Jessica and I have talked about, you know, in a lot of other places this kind of thing, like this kind of violence is not as normalized as it is here. So that's something I noticed right away. So they kind of kept it like, not hush hush, but really kind of like limited the details as much as possible. But here, it's like we're really desensitized, as bad as it sounds. We're really into like into true crime, obviously. Here we are talking about it and things like that. So it's it's in the news out there for us a lot more. So it's just, it was very... um. The details weren't really out there yet as far as that goes. And even still, as we go on, the details are just very kept kind of quiet. And, you know, that's also in respect to the victims and their families, too. So personally, like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, we are always respectful for the victims. So I think that's fine. Very true. So also that same day, the officials in Canada, at first, I guess they wouldn't say how the couple was killed, but they were saying that their deaths were being investigated as a homicide. So on July 18th, police officially were able to identify that the bodies did belong to Lucas and China. And then the next day on July 19th, the police in Canada appealed to the public to help them establish a timeline leading up to the killings of the couple. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which I'll just refer to as the RCMP the rest of this episode to make life easier for everybody, asked to speak to anyone who may have been traveling in the area of the hot springs, which included any camping areas. Along the highway between 4 p.m. on July 14th and 8 a.m. on July 15th. Now, that's there's a fuck ton of camping grounds, hot springs, all kinds of shit. We traveled along the same highway when we moved up here from Georgia. So they could have possibly had so many witnesses. They were basically looking for people who may have had a dash cam you know, some kind of footage or something, anything they could have went off of because you're in the middle of nowhere, you have no cell service, there's no security footage, there's not really much to go off of, which was smart because we had one personally, most people we knew that have traveled on this road have one, plenty of people we saw also traveling had them. So 
a good way to go about it, which is great. Like, that's another good thing about how our technology is now, to be honest with you. You guys have a dash cam? We do. It's news to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we've lived up here almost two years now, so it's like two years old now. But yeah. <laughs> you bought it specifically for this that trip? Yeah. We had gotten recommended it by a friend because, like, it's smart to have two for, like, insurance purposes because if you even if, like, not saying we were thinking we were going to get murdered, but say, like, you get in a car accident or something, it makes it go easier for, like, the claims and stuff like that because we drove in the middle of winter. So, you know, ice and stuff like that makes life easier and then just security stuff, too. So and plus it's cool because, like, we saw, like, hundreds of buffalo and stuff. So it's just cool footage to have. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it's kind of like the ultimate road trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it truly was. <laughs> and then that same day, they actually found a third body that was actually really close to a flaming vehicle of two men, or I guess I should say boys because they are teens, who soon would be discovered as missing. It had been several days since the families of Cam McLeod, who was 19, and Briar Schmigleski, who was 18, had been heard from. Investigators discovered their pickup truck on Highway 37 with this dead body. So, sketch. So, the two young men were both from Port Alberni in British Columbia, and they were believed to be traveling to Whitehorse in the Yukon Territory to look for work and may have been without cell phone service for portions of the trip, which, duh, there's like no cell phone service at all. Anyway, investigators could not find any signs of Cam or Briar near the scene, but the body, like I said, was discovered a little bit over a mile away, kind of near like a highway pullout, like a pullover zone. Though both Lucas and China's murder and the incident involving Cam and Briar and the body all occurred in the same area, they were about 290 miles apart from each other. And at that time, the official said there was not an immediately clear reason or anything saying that everything was connected. So July 21st, another witness said when they had saw them alive on that Sunday before they died, she described it as a tense scene and something in her gut told her to avoid getting involved. Alondra Hall said she saw a bearded man who appeared to be arguing with them on a remote stretch of the highway hours before they were found dead. I'm sorry, like every ounce of my body. And I can say this because I was raised by a man who would like, if we were driving down the road and he saw someone in need, he'd stop. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a very distinct story of my dad pulling over to help a sheriff who was trying to apprehend a guy. Right. And I'm just like, I know, like, because the guy was just getting rocks thrown at him. Yeah. So, like, I remember my dad came and distracted the guy with the sheriff went and got it. Like, and you see these, like, altercations and you're like, oh, I don't think I should stop. This seems bad. 911 always works. Right. And that's <laughs> and that's what she had said because she was interviewed on an article I read. And basically, I, I took the quote. She said, if you just get a bad feeling and that's what I had, you just don't stop. So she was just like, fuck this. I'm going. Bye. So uh, Hull said police asked her to work with a composite sketch artist to create a likeness of the man she saw that was speaking with the couple. So and she did cooperate and they got a sketch and all that good stuff. But, you know, maybe if she had pulled over, maybe it would have deterred them. Who knows? But on the other hand, who knows? It could have also ended up with her dead, too. It's one of those things where it's like, you don't know. It's just like she waited and like she saw something that obviously creeped her out. 
said, don't get involved. But she waited until after she saw a news report. Mm-hmm. She didn't call when she had signal, nothing. Like, you don't have to stop. If you feel like it's not safe enough to stop, you still could have called and been like, hey, can you come patrol such and such mile marker? Again, 911 works mm-hmm. no matter what. There's a reason they make cell phones to connect to things for emergencies. I agree. I agree. So on Monday, July 22nd, the RCMP confirmed Lucas and China were fatally shot. They said in a statement that the investigators were, quote, working through a number of tips and tasks, including interviews with individuals who saw or spoke with a couple, analyzing forensics and digital evidence, along with reviewing hours of CCTV and dash cam footage. So they got a crap ton of stuff to work with. So it was amazing. Later, this was also the day that the footage was released of them at the gas station that I spoke about on the first day of my little timeline. Basically, this confirmed that they were at the gas station at 7.30 p.m. on July 13th, and then they left the gas station at 7.47 p.m. And that was the last time that they were seen alive kind of thing. Well, besides those people, but at the gas station. Also, there was a sketch of a man who was said to be speaking with them on the highway released on that day as well. He was described as Caucasian with darker skin and darker hair. He was standing shorter than Lucas and he was about six foot three. He appeared to have a beard and was wearing glasses. He was possibly traveling south in an older model Jeep Cherokee with a black stripe on the hood. And at this time, they also released a sketch of a man of the victim that was found of the third body near the van. The police described that victim as a white male between five foot eight and five foot ten. He was heavy build, a gray beard and gray hair, and he was between the ages of 50 and 60. By Monday, the Fowler family had met several times with the police in Canada, while the Deese family continued to receive regular updates. So it seems like they did really, really great with communicating with both the families, especially even with the family in the U.S. So major kudos to that because we know in some other cases with international stuff, sometimes that's not good. Not, not good at all. Yeah. So on Tuesday, July 23rd, Cam and Briar were officially named suspects in the killings of Lucas China and the unknown third victim. They had been last seen in Meadow Lake, which is a city in the northwestern Saskatchewan area two days earlier. Photos had been taken July 21st of Briar and Cam and were shared all over social media. I know in real time that had blown the fuck up all over Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. But they had made a note as well that the pair, if, you know, they were obviously, you know, aware that they were being followed and stuff to take note that they may have, you know, tweaked their appearance at this point. The RCMP was in Manitoba and they had tweeted at 5.43 p.m. that they may be in the area. And also to take note that they were extremely dangerous, that if you see them, of course, do not take action, do not approach to call 911 immediately. So the next day on July 24th, the third victim was identified as 64-year-old Leonard Dick, and he was described as a dedicated family man who was enjoying life after retiring from a lengthy career as a researcher and professor. He was listed on the University of British Columbia as a lecturer in botany. Also on that Wednesday, the police had announced that they were charging Cam and Briar with second-degree murder in his killing. The search in Manitoba for the boys continued. They had sent all kinds of resources out to Manitoba. Manitoba is like so tiny, or I should say the town of Gillum is tiny. Basically, I was watching like some YouTube videos. There was people just like using humor to kind of like 
not to be like fucked up, but it's just like dealing with humor in a dark situation kind of thing. I get it. Like I kind of have a personality like you do too. Just being like, well, the only way that we're going to be trending on Twitter or trending on any social media is take some fucking serial killers come through, like, you know, like just joking. So obviously it's like a really small town kind of thing. So they confirmed that they had recovered the vehicle, but they still had not found the boys at all. They had gotten so many tips, so many tips, and the police were just still saying to be vigilant and just, you know, if there was anything that people saw to just report it immediately so they could find them. And at this point, they were telling people to stay indoors and to avoid traveling alone and all of that because they were saying Cam and Briar were dangerous. Mm -hmm. Interesting enough, the same day, Cam's father and also Briar's father, they both released statements. And we normally don't do super sidebar stuff in these episodes, but I have to say, we did try recording this previously, and we had some technical difficulties. So Jessica already knows this part. She doesn't know the new updates. Gonna still say my same thought when you say it, so. I know you are, but the new stuff, it's kind of like, it's one of those things where it's like, it pisses me off because it's like, we were correct, and it makes me sad and mad at the same time. That's all I have to say. You're right. It's really sad. Anyway, the same day, the families also released statements from Cam and Briar, and they're kind of two ends of the spectrum, which is interesting. So I just straight up copied and pasted what they said because I was not going to paraphrase what they said because, uh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to go with Cam's dad's first. So, quote, I'm sitting at home worrying about my son, Cam's father said, according to CBC News. As we're trapped in our homes due to the media people, we try to wrap our heads around what is happening and hope that Cam will come home to us safely so we can get to the bottom of this story. Breyer's father also spoke out, saying in an emotional interview that he fears his son will be dead soon. He's on a suicide mission, Dad Allen said in an emotional interview with the Canadian press, quote, He wants his pain to end. He wants his hurt to end. They're going to go out in a blaze of glory. Trust me on this. Breyer's father said he was, quote, very introverted and in very serious pain, having struggled after his parents' divorce when he was five in 2005. He and his mother moved to the Vancouver Island community of Port Alberni when he met McLeod in elementary school. The pair became inseparable and were good kids, Alan said. Briar had problems at home and briefly lived with his dad in Victoria when he was 16 before returning to Port Alberni to live with his grandmother, his father said. His influences hadn't been good. His influences have been YouTube and video games. I fucking hate when people blame that shit. Just saying. Lisa Lucas, a neighbor of Briar's grandmother, recalls how he used to play games with other children in the area, but began losing friends when he showed them pictures of himself wearing a Nazi armband and telling them he imagined playing shooter games in reality. After a while, he started making people feel uncomfortable, but his behavior allegedly only escalated according to a former schoolmate who said he threatened her and her friends with violence. He would tell us how he was going to cut off our heads, Madison Hempstead said, according to the New Zealand Herald. After graduating from high school, Briar worked at Walmart but told his father he was disappointed with the job and said he and Cam were going to travel to Alberta to look for work. Before leaving, Briar bought a black suit with the money he made at Walmart. Quote, Now I realize it's his funeral suit, his father told the press. Basically, he's going to be dead today or tomorrow. I know that. Rest in peace, Briar. I love you. I'm so sorry all this had to happen. And that kind of like wraps up that. There's like more of that article saying like people like be on the lookout and the call and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Your son 
has killed three people and is with somebody else. I mean, granted, this person's killed them as well with him, but I'm just like, we don't know that. That's true. At this point, we don't we don't know that. But, you know, it's like, what the fuck? Like, why would you say that? I feel like it should go one or two ways. They should say similar to what Cam's family said, or they should just be like, we cut ties and just leave it at that. I don't I think he went too way over the top with that, in my opinion. Well, I think in a way he was like justifying what his son was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the other way he was also going like, look, he only lived with me for this much. It's on his mom and grandma. Like, I don't really know what's going on. And he's going out in a blaze of gl- like he I just want to say, fuck you, dad. Like, yeah. seriously, like. I'm going to let you continue before I spoil. No, you're fine. So Friday, July 26th, Cam and Briar were believed to set to be on foot. Of course, their van, car, whatever had been set on fire to kind of like hide from all the authorities there in Canada. Because at this point, fucking everybody's looking for them. Everybody. They were using dogs. They're using drones. They're using anybody they fucking can to look for these guys. Like the terrain has a lot of like swamp and forest and bushes and stuff. So, of course, it's probably, unfortunately, pretty easy for them to kind of conceal themselves during the day. So it's kind of making the like manhunt essentially harder on them. So like, I'm not too surprised it's been taking a while. You know what I mean? It's not like open fields. So then Monday, July 29th, there was another little article. It felt like clickbait. And this Mm -hmm. was like the last update for the longest time. It was like officers admitted that they had unwittingly sent teens on their way. Da, da, da. But it was literally like they showed up in this one town and it was like a county or whatever, you know, province, whatever it's called, um, where they're like a dry area where they don't allow alcohol and stuff like that. So they were checking the, everybody, you know, going in and out to make sure that they were abiding by that. And then, you know, they checked them and let them go. And then like an hour or whatever after they left, then they got the notice on them. But it's like, but that's not their fault. Like, how would they have known? It was that kind of thing. So that was July 29th. That was the last update. And then, like I said, there was no update for the longest time. There was nothing. And then on August 7th, so last Wednesday, the authorities actually found two male bodies and they were pretty sure that it was Cam and Briar. Right. They were going to take them in for an autopsy to confirm that it was them and to also find out the cause of death. The bodies had been found near Gillum, and this is about more than 2,000 miles from British Columbia. So they had traveled way the fuck far. And they had actually been found by a helicopter because... Not even like by seeing the bodies, the helicopter spotted like a damaged boat along the Nelson River. And, you know, they followed up on it to be like, to see what it was, what was it about, make sure anybody was in there, that kind of thing. And then that essentially is what led them to the bodies. And like the patch of like area they were in was just described as like very tough terrain kind of thing. So at that point, They weren't sure if like maybe the boys had drowned or if they had committed suicide or what was going on. And then today, I checked everything this morning and then I checked again right before recording. The autopsy had been released. The autopsies were conducted in Winnipeg and it did confirm that it was Cam and Briar. The cause of death was suicide by gunfire. Now, both individuals were dead for a number of days before they were found, but they don't know the exact day or time yet. Or if they will know, I don't know. 
but they said there are strong indications that they had been alive for a few days since they were last seen in July and during like that big manhunt period. And they also found two firearms near the area and then the police are analyzing whether they were the weapons connected with the other three homicides in British Columbia. And that is pretty much it. Unfortunately, like I said earlier, we did record this like a week, week and a half ago, and then we just had some like tech difficulties. That was when they were still looking for Cameron Breyer. So we didn't know what was going on with them, but we both had a feeling, I think we can say. I knew it was going to be something along these lines. It's really fucking sad because they were so young. I don't know what's going on with this world today, but like Tara in her first stabby, she talked about what was happening in the Thunder Falls. And those were teenagers. Yeah. And here again, these are teenagers. And it's like they're making decisions that impact the rest of their life in such a grandioso way that it's, mm-hmm. oh, I'm 33. And I'm like, oh, God, like the thought of like not paying a ticket like freaks me out. Like, oh, God, did I do that? Like, follow up, follow up, that kind of shit, right? That teenagers are making decisions to kill other people. It's just, it blows my mind. Right? I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. And I don't think it's shoot 'em up games. Like, no, I don't either. In all honesty, I want to go on record. I don't think it's that because like, I played Grand Theft Auto, like first edition. Like <laughs> I, my husband plays video games. I know Tara's husband plays them sometimes. Like, it doesn't, like, incite in them, like, let's go kill. I think there is a difference. And I want to say this, if you're parents, you should pay attention because, Mm -hmm. like, obviously with that one kid, Cam, right? The, not Cam, it's the other one. Briar. Obviously, he was like, I like shooting people in video games and I want to do it in real life. Like, on a whole, violent video games don't incite violence. In fact, I think it's the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) But I think when you start to hear children say things like, I want to kill people in real life, you should get them therapy. Yep, I completely agree. It's sad. And if he had gotten help, you know, this may have never happened again, like we've said with plenty of other situations. And we'll never know. Like like Dr. Phil says, you can never like, you know, you never know what somebody's going to do. You can only only look for the warning signs. Mm-hmm, 100%. Well, that is going to wrap us up here for this week's Stabby Snippet. Um, We hope you guys are enjoying these. I also did want to say real quick, we are wrapping up our 30K giveaway. If you have not went on our socials and entered that, go take a look on Instagram and Facebook or Twitter. That post is on there. You can win a free true crime book. But yeah, so besides that, that's really all we got. We will catch you on Monday for our regular episode. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.